This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Architecture, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Meg, today's host of the channel, and today we're visiting once again with the lovely Shira Gill about her latest book, Organized Living Solutions and Inspiration for Your Home. Shira, welcome back. Thank you. I'm so happy to be back again. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, Shira, the last time we talked was like the end of 2021. And I'm wondering if you can just give our listeners a refresh on who you are. Yeah. So um, I am a home organizing expert. Um, I've been helping people get organized and clear physical and mental clutter for about 15 years. Um, I am also now the author of two books. Um, My first book, Minimalista, which we spoke about a few years ago, um, breaks down my simple toolkit and process into actionable steps to help you edit, organize, and style your home based on your values. Um, And my new book, Organized Living, showcases a wide range of homes and tips and distinct organizing strategies from 25 organizers from across the globe. Um, And in addition to writing, I also teach live workshops and I run a retreat for entrepreneurs and kind of have my hand in lots of different pots, but um, all under the umbrella of helping people clear clutter and create more space for what they care about. Yes, I love it. And I will say Minimalista is timeless because I recently let a friend borrow it who is a male and was interested in getting under wow. a little more organized. So amazing. Just, you know, a little plug. Yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, were there any specific moments that led to your decision to write Organized Living? Yeah. So I have been a professional organizer for almost 15 years. And so I've connected with so many of my colleagues along the way and felt like I just had this really fascinating glimpse into their homes and their lives and the things that drove their work as organizers. Um, And every time I would be hanging out with a friend who was an organizer, I would find myself getting nosy and asking if I could, you know, peek into their drawers and under their kitchen (laughs) sink. And every time this would happen, I would kind of come home and have like a whole new toolkit of inspiration Mm. to apply to my home and share with my clients. Um, I just... I guess generally I'm a curious person and love how seeing how people do life and set up their homes. So mm-hmm. um, I essentially on a walk one day just had this kind of light bulb idea of, wow, you know, there's so many design books featuring the homes of interior designers, but home mm-hmm. organizing is really a newer profession. And I thought, 
what if I could create a book where I gave a real insider's peek into the actual homes of the most organized people in the world? Um, so luckily my agent was on board and my publisher was on board and um, my photographer was on board. And so I have this kind of dream team and um, we actually hit the road, me and my photographer, and traveled to these 25 different homes um, from Mexico City to Lisbon to Stockholm, London, Paris, all over the States and Canada um, in in uh, an effort to really showcase the stories and the homes and the tips of this very diverse group of people. Yeah, I think one of the most surprising things about the book when I picked it up was seeing how many different cultures were represented, like different countries that you traveled to and different cultures and lifestyles from folks. And I thought that was just so unique because we don't we don't get a ton of that. You know, we see some glimpses here and there on mm. Instagram, but I felt like that was really unique for your book. Well, thanks for mentioning that. It was a big priority for me um, to show diversity, not just of people and culture and race and background, but also even just of home, um, like mm -hmm. style and size and location. Um, so I really wanted this to be a book where people could pick it up and find new inspiration, find people that resonated, um, whether they were in a tiny studio apartment rental or a big suburban mm -hmm. home with five kids um, or anything in between. Yeah, you can really see that in the book. And I love that so much. But now I have to ask, which home tour was your favorite? Oh, my gosh. I feel like that's <laughs> like picking a favorite child. <laughs> yes. um, okay, maybe not your favorite. Maybe the, okay. um, the most exciting to visit. Yes. Okay. Well, so I will say um, I might cheat and give you a few, but so um, Tinka, um, who lives in Montreal, I would say her home is the most different from my own home. Um, we've actually yeah. become quite close. And so she is like kind of a wild, colorful maximalist <laughs> who loves mm -hmm. collecting things and trinkets and art and um, you know, there's just like a treasure around every corner in her home. And I yes. think maybe because it was just so strikingly different from my own, that was particularly fun for me. And, um, you know, readers will see when they look, her home is actually the first, um, featured mm -hmm. home in the book. I think because, you know, Minimalista really showcases my style, which is very neutral and Scandinavian and minimal. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to like throw a real curveball straight out of the gate. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. So that was really incredible. And then I think um, just because I have such a love affair with Europe, I would just say, you know, visiting the homes in Paris and Stockholm and Lisbon and London mm -hmm. were particularly inspiring. And um, all of those homes were so much older than the homes that we see in the States. And so I think just the level of charm and history really struck mm -hmm. me there. Absolutely. And I would say, you know, even you being on the West Coast, homes are a lot newer than even just the East Coast that yes. I could tell. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, I'm going to say my favorite oh, that yes. I loved reading about was Julian's. I Yay! loved hearing about his passion and like his story of what it got him started. And then the sustainability piece. I just, I don't know why. I just thought that was so surprising and unique and his um, style was really fun. I loved it. Yes. And what's a fun fact about Julian is he's a newer organizer um, and he is a zero waster. So 
everything in his home has been, you know, found on the street or given to him by someone or handed down by his mm-hmm. parents. Um, he really doesn't buy anything new. And so yes. his home is really beautiful and layered and has so much personality. And everything I asked him about was like, oh, I found that Madonna record on the street <laughs> or like, yes. you know, my grandma gave me that couch and I reupholstered it with fabric I found. So um, yeah, his is definitely a, a crowd pleaser. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And he can definitely fit right in, in like Portland, Oregon. I feel like yeah. that's very <laughs> Port- Portland vibes. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Um, okay, so throughout the book, you talk about these um, these little cheat sheets, and I really loved those because I think one thing that was really special about this book was the home tours, but also we got to have the personal interviews, but then even your take on different things that you picked up from different organizers. And I'm curious, um, in the sustainability piece, since we're talking about Julian, what do you think is the biggest misconception you encounter about sustainability in the home? Mm. Okay. I love that question because as you know, sustainability is like a huge passion of mine. And Mm -hmm. I think the biggest misconception is that we can be more sustainable by buying more sustainable objects, Mm. um, which of course is true. Like it's always better to invest in, you know, wood or metal or natural materials over plastic. Um, mm-hmm. however, I think one of the biggest takeaways from my work is that really the most sustainable thing that any of us can do is simply to buy less. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, overconsumption really is the biggest issue. And I think every organizer who I interviewed commented in some way on just the excess that they encounter in their day-to-day work mm-hmm. and just seeing the layers and layers of stuff that people own and can't keep up with. Um, Mm -hmm. so I would say, you know, I think like the common ethos that I hear a lot is just like, be more sustainable by buying this or buying that, but really it, it should be the, the driving force should be, be more sustainable by using what you have and consuming less. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, we have the saying like reduce, reuse, recycle. And the first one Mm -hmm. we always overlook as reduce because it's just easier to, yeah, it's just easier to buy new things. I know. And also it's I would say true. repair. Repair is another one is instead oh gosh, of yeah. running out to buy the new toaster, like see if your toaster manufacturer will repair it for free. And I've been surprised mm-hmm. recently, like I just had a suitcase break and I contacted them and they said, oh yeah, bring it in. We'll fix it. Um, so oh I think gosh, taking yes. that little step to contact, um, you know, the vendor or the brand where you purchased something, um, they Mm -hmm. should be taking responsibility and standing by their products. So, um, that can be a helpful thing we can do as well. Yeah. I think that's so valuable. And even thinking like electronics, I know I've seen, um, some of your Instagram reels about like recycling the electronics. And I went through some of my electronics and I found an old iPad that still worked. But it was just like outdated. So I cleaned it up and now I have a little iPad oh, for my son when he's, look at that. You know, when he's ready for it. I know. <laughs> Perfect. So I love that. So great. Um, it was so good. So now he's excited. But anyways, another cheat sheet I was um, curious about. You talked about small space solutions. And I know you mentioned your home being a space that, you know, is smaller than a lot of folks. And you talk about how you love having the size that you do. And I'm curious, like, what are the reactions that you get from folks in our culture where everything bigger is better? Like what kind of reactions are you getting? 
Yeah, it's so funny because I wrote a blog post a while back um, called Why I Don't Want a Bigger Home. And I think it was one of my most read and kind of celebrated <laughs> blog posts of all time. Yeah. And what was interesting is um, the most of the comments and the people who wrote me in response to that post, what they said is like they experienced it as such a relief and that mm. they feel so much pressure that it's like bigger and better, mm. um, you know, is what the message that we hear all the time. And mm -hmm. this idea of enough can feel really liberating um, and not just kind of making do with a smaller home, but actually I would always prefer to have a smaller home. I feel like mm. um, not just the sustainability piece, but I feel like a, a smaller home is cozier. It's easier to clean. It's easier to maintain mm -hmm. um, because we have less rooms to fill. We can fill them with higher quality things and invest in things we really love um, because there's just mm -hmm. less to buy. Um, so yeah, I, I think like across the board, I just, I had a lot of people saying like, oh my God, this felt like such a relief and so liberating. And, you know, mm. everyone's always talking about more and bigger and better. And, and really, if we kind of flip that switch and look at redefining enough, um, it can feel like such a relief. Mm -hmm. And I think so much, like so many times we need that permission, like we need some limits because, you know, we're in an information age, we're in an age where like, Amazon, everything can be like yes. at our front door right now. And if we have some limits, I think we, we thrive a little more when we have those. Definitely. I mean, I'm a person like I'm so on one extreme of the spectrum, like I'll watch tiny house nation and get so yeah. riled up and be like, we have to move into an Airstream trailer. <laughs> and my family's like, no, <laughs> yeah. but, um, so I stand alone in that, but I do, I mean, I think even my kids have, have admitted, you know, living in a small house makes us so much easier. Like it's easier to clean up quickly. It's easy to, um, maintain the things that we own because we own less and mm -hmm. it's, it's just harder to make a big mess when you don't have that much stuff and you have a smaller footprint. Yeah, absolutely. And then you even have more budget for things that you like to do, not just, you know, spending exactly. on furniture or treasures that fill up the big space, you know? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I'd always swap material things for more travel and going out to eat. So <laughs> mm -hmm. um, that's absolutely. definitely like a value that we've tried to model. Yeah. Well, speaking of like small space solutions, what is one of the um, I guess what's one small space hack that you saw from other home organizers that you didn't have when you were creating this book? Yeah. Um, there were so many good ones. I mean, one that kind of blew my mind that, um, a few of these organizers practiced was, um, you know, I thought I was a minimalist when it came to linens on my bed. Like we have mm -hmm. one set for each bed and then we have, um, one backup set in a bin for each bed, but actually mm -hmm. many of the organizers who I met who lived in very small or older homes with limited storage, they just owned literally one nice set of linens per bed mm -hmm. and they would just wash them and put them right back on, um, because they had no storage for sheets. And so yes. I thought that was so simple and so brilliant. And I also realized they never had 
had to try to wrangle that dreaded fitted sheet into submission. Um, <laughs> yes. So win, win the there. Yeah, the nightmare. Um, I also saw a lot of people in smaller spaces getting really crafty with maximizing vertical space with just adding like simple wall shelves or hooks or utilizing ledges or um, surfaces like the top of a refrigerator or a molding mm. to like perch little things. Um, mm -hmm. And so I just kind of started looking up more in my home to see like, where are those opportunities where I could put in, you know, a little shelf or a hook? Um, I really think hooks are the key to everything. <laughs> They're such a yeah. budget friendly way to organize your home. But that was certainly a commonality was like, hooks everywhere for everything, like back of mm -hmm. doors. Um, you know, people were using hooks for unconventional things, you know, in addition to like hats and robes and bags, um, like S hooks in a kitchen for hanging utensils or towels or aprons. Mm -hmm. Um, so the more hooks, the better. <laughs> oh, that's the best. I love that. And I think one of the areas when I'm talking with folks about organizing or, you know, minimalism, they get so overwhelmed thinking of all the things, especially mm. if they have kids, but hearing like there are some tried and true things that just work all across the board, like hooks and baskets. Definitely. So accessible. I would also say one other would just be um, finding dual purpose products. Um, mm. So things that are multifunctional. Um, I mean, even something as simple as like, I think most people assume you have to have a big knife block filled with like 25 knives. And my right. brother, who's a chef, taught me you only need three knives. Like you need mm. a peering knife, a chef knife, and a serrated knife. And that's it. So mm -hmm. kind of questioning. And then even like my brother, the chef, also taught me, you know, a microplane can be used to grate garlic and chocolate and, you know, you can find mm -hmm. things that do, um, that perform so many functions. Um, there mm -hmm. are also like kitchen appliances now that double, that are like, a, a microwave an air fryer and an oven all in one little machine. Um, so oh just God. keeping your eye out for, you know, what are those things that can, um, do multiple jobs and save you some space. Yeah, I love that. Um, I'm curious, were there any specific for like living with kids hacks that you learned from your fellow organizers? I mean, one of the biggest things, I guess, you know, as opposed to being a specific product was just a habit and a mindset around mm -hmm. kind of shared space and shared responsibility. I think mm. especially the people who I interviewed who had many kids. Like I had some, um, organizers in the book who had five kids and right. I just thought, how do you do it all? And they said, you know, <laughs> yeah. we, we all do everything. You know, it's, it's not just the mom's job to clean up at the end of the day. Everybody has like their chore list and the chores rotate and everybody kind of does their part. Um, mm -hmm. one of the other things that I thought was interesting is just across the board, the organizers who had kids, um, had their kids store all of their belongings, even down to like their backpacks and their jackets in their respective rooms, as opposed mm. to in the common areas of the home. Um, so often I would walk into a home and say like, whoa, like, where's all your kids stuff? And they would <laughs> yeah. say like, it's in their room. And again, it seems like such a simple kind of practical thing. Like, 
yeah, they mm-hmm. have a room and they have a closet, you know, why not put their stuff in their room? Um, but, you know, I think the average person has a heap of their kids stuff like right by the front door or kind of like littered mm-hmm. around the house and into the kitchen. So just that one simple habit shift of, hey, kids, when you come home, like instantly bring your stuff to your room and put it away. Um, mm-hmm. Especially if you have multiple kids can make a huge difference. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> one kid's stuff, I feel like you can contain yeah. one child's treasure. <laughs> but you know, when you're getting up to multiple children, I feel like that Yes. It's an exponential mess. So totally. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I would also say like having um, a designated place for art that comes home, um, especially if your kids are prolific artists or in those preschool years where like every day is a new, you know, glitter collage. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of the organizers I interviewed just had like one big deep drawer. Yeah. That when their kid came home, instead of like kind of having it go instantly on the kitchen counter or the dining room table, it would go into a drawer as kind of like a keepsake. And then every so often they could review and recycle. Yeah, I would say I learned that from you. And that has been so helpful for our family because, you know, I have a son who's in first grade and we get <laughs> so many creations. And, you right. know, my guy is a, a little artist. And, you know, it's become so much of our culture that we we sort through and find our favorite ones that now he, that's something he looks forward to. Like, oh, I get to go through and pick which ones I think are really important. And then we can, you know, recycle or share the rest with the grandparents or things like that. So Love I just, that. yeah, once you have that mentality with your family, it's really easy for them to continue to like keeping that buy-in. Exactly. And having a physical boundary that they understand, like once this yeah. is full, we've got to do a little audit and a little edit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Well, one of the next cheat sheets that we get into is the working from home. And I love that you called us out to get dressed when we're working from home. Yes, important. I know. And seriously, I would say. (laughs) And even you also talk about this hack at like um, a closing ritual. And I thought that was so powerful because I like vocationally, I'm a therapist. And I actually had a conversation Mm. with a fellow therapist recently. And we were talking about ways that we can leave tough client things at work and not bring it home at the end of the day. And that came up for us. It was a ritual at the end of the day. So I'm curious, what does your end of day ritual look like? Yeah. So, I mean, it's funny. I'm really forced to have one because um, since we are in a small home, my home office is our dining room table. Um, So unless Mm -hmm. I physically pack up my work stuff, like we can't eat dinner. (laughs) So so basically um, I, because I don't have a home office, everything that I use for work fits in a single bin. And so Mm -hmm. typically that's a notepad and a pen, anything I happen to be reading or referencing my laptop, Um, if like today I'm on a podcast, I would have my microphone and my headphones. So basically at the end of the day, when I'm done with work, typically around five, um, I basically Mm -hmm. unplug everything, pack it up, put it in my bin, and then I wipe down the dining room table and set it for dinner. So Mm -hmm. it's like a real powerful transition from seeing all of the technology and the cords and the papers, um, Mm -hmm. to then having, you know, a beautifully set table and, you know, on a good day, I'll light a candle or I'll put out some flowers or do something to really make it feel good. Um, I'm not going to lie and say I do that every day, but I do try to do it (laughs) at least on Fridays (laughs) to 
to kind of close yeah. out the week and have this sense of like, we are moving out of work and productivity and into mm-hmm. relaxing and socializing. Yeah, I think that's so powerful. And especially if you're someone that does work from home, it can be really easy to just continue working all day long. And I think, you know, having that balance is key and creating those rituals to like break it up, I think is so powerful. Yes. And I will say even just, you know, so I try to put all of that, that bin behind closed doors. We have some built-in cabinets in our dining room where I work and just getting Mm -hmm. my laptop out of sight um, actually helps me to avoid overworking because when it's not Mm -hmm. there where I can just, oh, I'm going to just check my email or jot down a quick idea. um, Actually getting that out of eyesight can be a big hack. Mm, I think that's so, so helpful. Um, Okay. We are getting close to time. So if you could leave us with one final thought about this book, now that it's out, what would it be? Oh, you know, I would think, you know, when people hear that I'm a professional organizer, I think often there's this assumption that organizing is all about like kind of perfection, striving for perfection, Mm -hmm. um, getting things in this like perfect order with alphabet, like alphabetizing and color coding. Mm -hmm. And I think like the real message I want people to get from this book is that organizing really is for everyone and it can be customized and tailored to your style, your values, your preferences. Um, And there are little tiny, easy, actionable hacks that you can implement that can make a huge difference um, in Mm. just creating more ease in your day-to-day life. And I think that's the real takeaway I'd love people to have about organization in general is that it's Mm -hmm. not the means to an end. It's a tool that you can use to create more ease and flow and freedom in your life. Yes, absolutely. And I think one of the most powerful life-changing lessons that I learned along my journey following you has been when you have that space, then you can like reassess your values. Like, okay, I know travel is huge for your family. Like what's the value in your family? Like what can you do with that time, with that space that you have now? Exactly. Yep. Awesome. Well, before we let you go, I just was curious, what are you up to now? Oh gosh. Well, um, I'm actually, believe it or not, working on my third book. Um, I know. <laughs> yeah, you must have had a feeling. That's so funny. Um, so my third book will be out um, the following fall. Organized Living comes out this fall. Um, and so it will be out fall of 2024. Um, and it's a personal development book that will um, dig into using minimalism and organization as tools to optimize every part of your life, not just your home. Gosh, that's exactly what we were just saying. I love it. Yes, yeah, so fun. I'm really excited. Well, that sounds like an amazing project, and I'm so excited to cheer for you as it's happening and hopefully get you back on to do our next interview. I'm looking forward to it. I would love that. Thanks so much for having me back. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, I hope you have a great day. Thanks for stopping by.